of the Peter Report podcast. John Ledyard is out in Pennsylvania right now. Scott Reynolds is busy with other important things. So I am your host for the day, Mr. Matt Matera. And I am pumped to be hosting for you guys today on a new edition of the Peter Report podcast. Joined with me is the newcomer to Peter Report, but he's been doing a great job since he joined the company. It is JC Allen. JC, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am fantastic. This is three days in a row that I've been at Bucks training camp. I'm getting a great tan, not going to lie. I'm uh, pretty excited about that. But today was your first day at Bucks training camp. So, JC, tell me, man, how was it being there? Oh, it was great to be back out there. I was out there for rookie mini camp. I uh, got to go out last year a few times, but this year was great. Opened up the field a lot more. We get out and kind of walk around the the almost the whole circumference of the field, but just to be out there, the fans cheering on the players, you could feel the attitude. You can know football's back. You could smell it in the air. The smell of sweat, grass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not everyone wants to smell sweat, but I totally hear you. It feels like we're getting back to that normalcy, especially that Sunday, man. Oh, obviously there was more fans that day. Cause you know, people got regular nine to five jobs and things like that. It's tough to come out to training camp, on a you know on a Monday and Tuesday, but that Sunday, you had the bleachers filled. Everyone was going crazy. You had those Tampa Bay, you, you know the chance and everything. Heard quite a few of them today too. Yeah, no, absolutely. They they brought the heat today, no question. So shout out to the fans that that have been there so far for training camp. Everyone's excited. Everyone's energized, as they like to say. And speaking of energy and being energized. Uh, we're very thankful for our sponsors of the Peter Report podcast, Celsius Energy. I got the Kiwi Guava right here. What are you rocking? I got the Raspberry Kai green tea in, in the Peter Report. Koozie. Oh, awesome. Oh, you got to go with the Peter Report koozie. That's great. Let me take a sip of the drink right here. I actually energized my day because I knew I'd have to be up early. I started the day with a nice orange Celsius, you know, I feel like. Yeah, you don't really want orange juice, but you want an energy drink. Yeah, orange Celsius, the best of both worlds. You know, it's it's great. And it, Absolutely. It's and as great as the energy drinks are, JC, I want to talk to you right now about a new product that Celsius has out here. It is their fast protein bars. I actually ran out of them. I've been enjoying them so much. I don't have them on me, but you've seen plenty of us on the Peter Report podcast showing these bars. It's the Caramel Peanut Crunch. And the white chocolate cookies and cream. I have a huge sweet tooth. I'm a sucker for chocolate. So I've been a real, I, I love both, but I've been a really big fan in particular of the chocolate cookies and cream. Here's some facts you should know about these fast protein bars it's 20 grams of protein, low sugar, low carbs, and no GMOs. They're living an active lifestyle with these bars. That's the core of what Celsius is. And it's their goal to support you a, in a better way every single day. As I said, it's white chocolate cookies and salted peanut caramel crunch. They got silky smooth layers. They're delicious. They don't break apart in your hand like other granola and other bars like that. They keep you energized and going. It's a great way to start the day. If you need a little pick-me-up at lunch, it's, it's a perfect little snack. You can get right then and there and get back to what you're doing on the day. 
And another thing you guys should know, if you go to Amazon, you buy the variety pack. That would be three salted caramel peanut crunch and three white chocolate cookies and cream. Go to Amazon, buy that variety variety pack of the fast brands. They want to hear your feedback. They want to know if you're enjoying it, if you love it, if you're satisfied by it. So please go and leave a review on Amazon if you try out the fast protein bars. And if you enjoy it, we would love to hear your feedback on all of that. And you can go to PeterReport.com, click on the links. That'll take you right to the page that you need to get to to buy these bars. You can also go to the link in the description on our YouTube page. We have it there. So again, Celsius Energy, fantastic sponsor, whether it's the energy drink or the bars, they got it all for you. All right. Absolutely. JC, let's get back to business. Yes, sir. Day three, Bucks training camp. The big news to start off the day was the return of Antonio Brown. It was a limited return, but nonetheless, Antonio Brown was back on the field. On time. On time. He was there in the beginning. You got a great picture of him warming up. We had some videos of him jogging. At one point, he caught a pass, and Mike Evans was yelling from the other side of the field, get that A.B., get that A.B. People were very excited to see him, and I think no one was more excited than Antonio Brown himself. He was a man that was driven. JC, I know it was early in practice, and we were all over the field, but did you see anything from A.B. when, when he was out there? The, the biggest thing I noticed was his smile, all smiles. You know, at one point he stopped and he posed for photographers, you know, and he noticed we were, he was over there by Shaq Baird and Devin White. And, you know, he just took a big smile. And uh, he's, you could tell that this man uh, is rejuvenated. Uh, I wrote about it in, in our roundtable discussion. He's fresh, man. He only played, what, 10 games the past two seasons. He's yeah. been working out like a madman. And, you know, you start kind of pay off a little bit in wide receiver drills. I know we'll have our have our um, training camp uh, synopsis out in here in a little bit. But you check that out. And, you know, he, he was moving around. Now, he didn't really participate in uh, 11-on-11s or 7-on-7s that I saw. But, um, man, when he was out there, you could tell he was having fun with it. And he's definitely happy to be back. And I know the Bucks fans and the team are happy to have him back, too. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, he was only in the individual drills, but I think if AB had it his way, he would be in the 11 on 11s and the seven on sevens. I mean, he was just itching to get back out there. I was specifically not by, I just happened to be over there at the time when he was in the wide receiver drills. I mean, one of the first plays that he ran, he caught the ball near the, near the sideline and it was right by where the, where the fans are and everything. And he turned around, you know, that kind of like flex he does where he's like, let's go. He did that like to the crowd and the crowd, the crowd goes very loud when it's Mike Evans. I think him and Brady are like the number one and two guys that, you know, they just explode when they see him. But they gave a huge applause for Antonio Brown. Fans were really excited to see him. And then later on in the individual drills. Antonio Brown, they were near the end zone. They were throwing passes into the end zone. He ran a cross route all the way from the left side of the field over to the right side. And he caught the ball in the end zone and was right in the corner of the end zone. I happened to be standing right next to the security guard. Uh, yeah. And he kind of, he wasn't like specifically looking at us, but he was just like looking around. And then he just blurted out like screen at the top of his lungs. He said, let's effing go. And this is just a guy running like your typical you know, route on air, you know, it wasn't like he beat a defender deep or like 
you know, got a huge third down or anything like that. He was just really happy to be out there playing football. And that was a, that was a big thing today, especially with Chris Godwin out there as well. But I, I think all signs are pointing up right now for Antonio Brown. I wouldn't be surprised over the next couple of days if we see him graduate from just the wide receiver individual drills to playing in the seven on sevens and 11 on 11s. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of energy, a lot of profanity out there uh, <laughs> all over the field, whether it was from the quarterbacks, the coaches, the, the players. Um, they're hyped. They're pumped up. It was a hot one out there, but you could tell, you know, the crowd is giving them certainly some energy. And, you know, they're, they want to go out there and for the most, you know, for the very least, put on a show for them as well because it's the first time they've had these guys. And you saw, you know, my. Mike the other day with this little protocol break, you know, getting back out there and showing love to the guys yeah. because they miss the fans and and it's uh they're definitely out performing well. You were watching wide receivers, I was watching the running backs catch balls from the quarterbacks. Not one running back dropped the ball. No, it wasn't again, they're on air. Um right. they're running a little out routes, swing routes, wheel routes, but you know, everyone caught the ball, looked good, uh made some quick moves turning around after catching the ball behind them. So you know, that's encouraging, um, especially where this is a area of the field where there are quite a few drops last year in the running back room. And if you remember, quite a few drops early in practice, too, last year. Oh, yeah, of course. And you know what? Those drops almost continued this week as well. Not necessarily with running backs, but receivers in general have gotten off to a, a slow start. But I'm glad you brought that up about the running backs because – Let's face it, that was a point of contention all season in training camp last year and kind of going to this year, more specifically with Ronald Jones. But there were a lot of drop balls with the running back. So it, it's good to see them at least getting off on the right foot with, um, you know, with these running backs being able to right the wrongs of where they had issues with. Mitch has a question here. How did Gio, assuming he means Giovanni Bernard, how did he look? I mean, he's the he's, he's kind of like all reliable. He's he hasn't been on the team for that long, but he's all reliable. You know, he you you don't have to worry about him when he's in the game as a pass catcher. He's a guy that's soaking up all the information. He's working with multiple quarterbacks too. He's not just working with Tom Brady. He's also working with Blaine Gabbert. And you got to remember too, back in uh, minicamp and OTAs, he was pulling double duty because he was working with Brady and all the top receivers on a separate private field and then he would come to OTAs as well with most of the rookies and you know guys that are trying to make the roster and he worked with Kyle Trask and Ryan Griffin so he um he's been all over the place and just getting after it you know yeah I mean he's just so smooth with the the ball hits his hands and his ability to turn from a receiver to a runner is just it's 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 really it's really fun to watch so I'm I'm definitely excited he didn't get too much work today um, in, in a, when they went to 11 on 11s later in practice. Uh, but again, I mean, Matt kind of puts it on, you know, once he knows his playbook, that frontwards and backwards, it's, you don't really need to get him many pass catching attempts because you know what he's going to bring. I mean, this is a guy who's never had less than 30, uh, 30 receptions in a season. He's an underrated runner and we've already talked about it multiple times. So, you know, well-respecting how good he is as a pass blocker. So it's more about him just getting the playbook down. And I think, as Matt, you alluded to, that's why he's seeing reps and snaps with all the quarterbacks. Just get get the playbook down mentally. Mm -hmm. and, you know, when it comes time to go out there on the field, you know, just get those get those reps because everyone, all the, yeah. the rest of the running back group is hitting the ground running. 
And think about it too. You got to look at last season. Leonard Fournette didn't even come to this team until what? Two weeks before they were going to play the Saints in week one of the regular season. So like, just think about how long it took him to understand the playbook and get everything down. And then look at the postseason, everything that went off, went off with the playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny, now presidential Lenny. So <laughs> like Geo has a almost has a head start when it comes to this. And speaking of head starts, I want to not necessarily backtrack a little bit, but to go back onto the beginning of training camp. We saw something for the first time in this year, in 2021, that we haven't seen yet in Bucks training camp. And that was punt returns, or at least people back there catching punt returns. There were three guys. And you know what? It wasn't really unexpected. It was Jalen Darden, Jaden Mickens, and Scotty Miller in no particular order. All three of them were out there. They finally, finally, people have been asking to see, you know, all right, who's in the competition for this? It seems like it's going to be those three. Now, granted, Scotty Miller notoriously has been back there with the punt returners catching punts. And it seems like he does it more just for fun more than anything. Maybe not necessarily just for fun, but he's kind of like the emergency punt return guy because he didn't really do. He hasn't done any punt returns in the regular season. He did it once or twice as a rookie in the preseason. So it seems like it's more of a two man race between Darden and Mickens, but it was fun to see them out there doing their thing. What's your take on the on the punt return team this year? Is it Jalen Darden's job to lose? Does Mickens have a chance? What do you think, JC? You know, you know it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it, it all unfolds. And someone else who was interested in it was Bruce Arians, who posted up in his golf cart and he intently watched that punt return. He left for a minute, then came back to continue watching punt return. So it's definitely an emphasis that not only we're looking at, fans looking at, but you know, Bruce Arians is looking at as well. Um, at this point in time, it looks like Mickens has the advantage, but Mickens is also a guy who's been doing it for the past couple of years. He's got an NFL touchdown, you know, as on, as a punt returner. Um, so of course he's probably going to look a little bit better, but I think this guy you're looking at right here on the screen, I think it's ultimately his job to lose. I mean, as long as he is not getting negative yardage, I mean, if you look at punt return and kick return are, are two different beasts, right? And if you look at punt return, Jaden Mickens only averaged about 6.3 yards per punt last year. It's not like he lit the world on fire. So if Jaden Darden can average 6.3, you know, with his, you know, his speed and his elusivity as, as a runner with the ball in his hands. I, I think it's going to be easy to go to him. Now, of course, I think they were just wearing shells today, right? So they weren't, yeah. they weren't hitting each other. There's no tackling. So we're really not seeing what they're going to look like. They were pretty much catching the ball and just stopping. It was more of just, you know, make sure you don't muff the punt. Um, but I think I, I think Darden's got going to get a – grasp on the job when, when Pats come on and it's time to go. And Scotty Miller is just a great guy to have back there catching pounds. So, you know, he can do it just in case something happens. Because yeah. And I should clarify as well, too, that you did have the guys back there catching punts, but the segment that they were working on specifically was punt protection. So, you know, you had all the guys on defense were in, uh, in what they call it skull caps or, you know, they, they put the, they put the yellow caps on their helmet to differentiate between, offensive defense and first team and second team and things like that. One fun thing that we did see though, out of this, out of these, uh, these guys catching the punts. 
Uh, there was a viral video last season of Scotty Miller where he caught like, he was holding on to six balls and he caught the seventh. I, I don't remember the specific number, but it was it was multiple footballs. Uh, they didn't go to that extent for this practice, but both Darden and Mickens, they did each make a catch where they were holding on to one football and then caught the punt with their other hand. So I always like seeing those fun little, you know, circus acts or whatever you want to call it. It's um, it's entertaining. The, the fans, the fans got a kick out of it and it was fun to see. And, um, but yeah, it should make for a really fun competition this year in the special teams category of punt return. And I agree too. Darden, I think so far we can get into Darden later because there's more to break down with him as a receiver specifically. And we've been talking about him a lot, but he keeps making plays. He, he keeps getting his name into the mix, whether it's good things or bad things. And there was both in this afternoon or this morning, I should say, with Jalen Darden. But he's a guy when he has the ball in his hands, he just feels so comfortable. He he looks like, you know, he's just he's got that vision. He obviously has a nose for the end zone going back to his days at North Texas. I think this guy with the speed he has, and if he just gets a little bit of open space, especially on punt return, where you're more likely to do that than in a kickoff situation, I think this guy can do serious damage for the Bucks punt return team. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, his el- elusivity uh, or elusiveness with the ball in his hand yeah. is just, I, I want to, I can't wait to see it in pads and when it really counts. I mean, because you, you mentioned his re- him as a receiver. And he's he's been getting some good looks, and and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does there as well. Uh, yeah. So speaking of receivers, the Bucks were a little bit shorthanded in the sense that, as we mentioned before, Antonio Brown did not participate in team drills, whether it's eleven on elevens or seven on sevens. He was not a part of that. Chris Godwin did not practice today. Neither did Adamkin Sue. Obviously, he's not a receiver, but those are two key veteran names on this team looked like a maintenance day out there. Bruce Arians spoke after practice and he mentioned pretty much that, you know, they're especially with the heat and everything going on. And that's been a big storyline They're They're going to judge it on a case by case basis or barometer as, um, as coach Arians said. So I think as the weeks go on, we're going to see more and more guys get these maintenance days because it's so hot out. But again, because the receivers there, they weren't as, fully stocked as they normally are. I think a guy that really stood up today was Tyler Johnson. Now Johnson actually missed practice yesterday, but he came back today and he's a guy that I wrote about in our latest PR round table that came out on Sunday that he's a guy that really needs to benefit from having a great training camp because right now he's going to make the roster and he's got a bright future in a season from now and two seasons from now but currently, he's not going to find a ton of playing time because he's not going to surpass Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, or Antonio Brown. And clearly, Scotty Miller is faster than him. So Scotty's got the deep ball threat down as the fourth guy. And now with Jalen Darden in the mix, who is already showing a lot of flashes at receiver, he's probably going to be the punt returner and kick returner, as we just talked about. Tyler Johnson is not guaranteed any playing time this year, barring injury. But with that said, his chemistry with Tom Brady was great today. They connected on at least four or five passes and receptions by on, on Johnson's end. 
They're both for 15 to 20 yards down the field every single time. He looked as good as I've seen him in practice or, or, or in the season. Uh, I think Tyler Johnson, if he continues this, he's going to at least make it difficult for the coaches to really come up with the, this full roster. Yeah, uh, he had one scary moment when he went, uh, came across the middle of the field and he stayed down for a second. I was like, oh, no. Uh, me and the, yeah. the guys around me took a, you know, we took a collective gas. We're like, oh, no, you just came back today. But um, yeah, I mean, he made a lot of good catches. And you mentioned the longer ones, but some of the ones, the quick ones, he caught a nice, um, a nice pass right behind the line of scrimmage. It wasn't necessarily a screen, but it was a quick out to him behind the line of scrimmage, and he took it up the field for a few yards. And then he made a really nice catch coming uh, shallow over the middle. Uh, and the only the guys who were in coverage were Levante and and Devin White. Then he just found the open spot, got the ball. Oh, he got wrapped up real quick. But it was just you know nice to see him you know be able to work the middle of the field as well as the deep part. And then you go towards the end of the end of the uh, the practice, um, towards uh, when they're going no huddle. Brady actually came to him. Um, he came to him on they were doing four downs. So you you have. You know, backyard football stuff. You got yeah. you chance to get a first down. Your first down, you keep moving. Um, Brady didn't look particularly sharp in that one, but something to notice is he did go to Johnson's way on the third and fourth down, overthrew him on both plays, but Johnson was open on both of them. So, uh, you know, it looks like they are developing that chemistry. Maybe that scooter chemistry we saw last year in training camp yep. might be the guy. Um, that he's kind of gravitating on and, hey, let's get you more involved so we can get you more involved just in case something happens. Um, it's this is If you're going to build chemistry with wide receivers lower on the depth chart and you're seeing that, I don't want to jump too far ahead with the dart and stuff, but we're seeing that with some of these back-of-the-roster guys who are almost guaranteed to make it. Brady taking time to make really highlight them and get them the ball and work with them to you know not only for confidence' sake, for chemistry's sake, too, just in case something does happen. Uh, no, you're you're absolutely right about that, and I think you can look at last season as well, too. Granted, it, there wasn't too many circumstances, but Brady looked at Tyler Johnson in some of the most important moments of their season. I mean, you go back to the divisional round against the Saints, and he made a clutch, clutch third-down reception on a play that was not easy to make. And then obviously he drew the infamous pass interference at the end of the game that sealed the deal against the Packers to win the NFC championship and move on to the Super Bowl. So Brady has shown that he he's willing to trust guys that, you know, isn't his one a and one B options. You know, I think we saw that today, the biggest play of the whole game. And it came later in practice was Brady went deep to, surreal Grayson jr on i mean from where they were on the field it was about 40 or 50 yards and grayson just burned everyone deep now he's always been fast i believe he ran track uh when he was at school his issue has always been his hands he came down with that one but yeah it just shows the versatility of this team and brady's willingness to to work with everyone yeah it was just it was uh antonio hamilton in coverage there Got burnt pretty, pretty good. Brady just found him deep down the seam. Uh, it was just on the right side. It was just good. One thing I noticed, too, the play before that, uh, Ryan Jensen had a bad snap. Brady was able to to catch and recover it but and get it out to um, uh, 89, I think, is – who is it? That Jarrell Adams? Adams is 82. 
89. Uh, Josh Pearson. Yeah, I was going to say Pearson. Pearson, But yeah, that was one thing I noticed, you know, back right after that, you know, bad snap, recovers from it, good snap, touchdown deep down the field. It just shows the mental toughness, too, um, that this team has, you know, they're not going to let, you know, a potentially bad play interrupt them and you know starting early in training camp you know those things are going to happen in games and it's how you react after to it you know you got the ball out quick didn't get much yardage off of that play but you know was able to salvage it and then boom next play forgot about the forgot about a high snap and just went out went forward and scored a touchdown i think we'll see a lot of that this year with mike evans just going down deep down the right side he's looked phenomenal that uh that play he made against Carlton Davis, which, you know, oh my God, in the corner of the end zone. Well, oh yeah, yeah, that play was unbelievable. I mean, Carlton had good coverage on the play. It seemed like I was on the opposite end of the field, so I was kind of looking from a distance. But it looked like Carlton had pretty good coverage on him, and then Brady just put it in a spot where only Mike Evans could get it. Evans obviously was the number one guy today, and I thought uh, he played today was probably his best day, I would say. Now, maybe it was because other guys were out and everything. I thought Mike really balled out. It was fun because Carlton was on him for a lot of the day, and, and Carlton had a good day as well. Yeah, He got burned by Jalen Darden the other day on Sunday, I believe. But he was guarding him today, and he was guarding him by the sideline, and he was right on him. Brady went Darden's way. Carlton almost came up with an interception. And then after that, he was on Mike Evans for most of the day. Uh both guys, you know, they they had their victories, like Mike in the in the back of the end zone. But you know, Carlton definitely held his own too. I mean, he's number one corner on the team for a reason. He's their their lockdown guy for sure. But um, you were watching a lot of the other corners on field two yeah. with the third and fourth string guys. Was there anything that stood out to you there? Yeah, D. Delaney came up with a nice interception um, off Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, another up and down day. I think he went five four eleven. Again, he had a couple of drops and a couple of pass breakups that went his way against him, but just not looking as sharp. Uh, Ryan Griffin got a lot of the snaps. He he obviously as a number three currently slotted. He got a bunch of snaps and he looked he looked better. But I think if you just rounded out not just the cornerbacks but the defense as a whole in that second unit. They looked really sharp. They looked, you know, and again, it's it's the third stringers we're talking yeah. about here. But, you know, to the cornerbacks, there was some really good coverage going on over there. Um, like I said, D. Delaney had a nice interception fighting for the ball. Um, so that was a good play. The defensive line looked really good. A lot of pressure. Uh, you had Jeremiah Ledbetter a w- probably would have had a sack. It's hard to tell, um, you know, call it a would-be sack. If not, yeah. nothing definitely a hurry um and then Benning Potawai got his hand up on a pass ball and goal to goal against Ryan Griffin uh there was solid pressure coming from uh Quentin Bella as well on rookie left left uh was playing left tackle yeah Calvin Ashley so the defense as a whole they looked pretty good um you know made it really difficult for Trask to, to get comfortable they tried a few running plays CJ Procise had a ball that that he took um Probably would have been a big gain. Obviously, we know you know they're not taking to the house. They're not tackling. Um, right. He would have broken the tackle and definitely took it for a big gain had they done it. But uh, you know, second teams, second team offense has got a got some work to do. I feel like uh, watching them. But the defense, it's we knew that defensive line competition was going to be a tough one, 
and and that Quentin Bell and Cam Gill were going to give the team every reason to try to keep five outside linebackers on here. So, you know, it was uh it was a good showing for for both of those groups today, and and as well as the cornerback group, which is extremely um extremely loaded as well right now. Yeah, I find the cornerback group so interesting right now because again, they're they're in a spot much like other positions on this team where you have a, a couple of guys that are talented and would probably have a good shot to make the team in other places, but they're all fighting for one spot. I mean, we obviously know Carlton, SMB, Jamel Dean, Ross Cockrell. I know Cockrell's been moving around between corner and safety. These guys are all they're all set to make the team. I find some of these guys so interesting. Like Kenley, obviously his story is is super fascinating, and it's awesome that he has the opportunity to try to make an NFL team. Another guy that I've seen so much over the past couple days, and he falls into the Darden area of like some good, some bad, and that's Antonio Hamilton. I mean, you go back to OTAs and minicamp, I believe he had the first interception of minicamp off of Kyle Trask, or maybe it was rookie minicamp. But anyway, he had an interception there. The other day, he had a great blitz off the corner, had a, as <laughs> the common theme, a would-be sack. Could have had that. To, he had that yesterday. He also had a nice pass breakup, but then he also got burned in the end zone twice yesterday. I and believe today. he got burned on... Grayson. Yeah, he got burned by Cyril Grayson today as well too so he's a guy that's very up and down I, I think the competition right now is wide open I, I think Kinley I think he's been okay he he had a really rough go of it yesterday during the red zone drills there's a lot of times he was beat by the receivers I'm not ready to write him off as you know he's not going to make this team but I think as camp goes on it's going to become a really competitive battle between these undrafted free agents that could have a chance to crack the roster. Yeah. Kinley got beat today uh, by Travis Johnson on one play. The ball was thrown out of bounds, but uh, he, he, got, he got beat pretty bad um, on one play. You know who stood out to me? If we're talking about the cornerbacks, Nate Brooks had a pretty good showing out I wrote there. his name down too. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. He had a nice pass breakup um, against, we just talked about who 89 was. Pearson, Josh Pearson. Josh Pearson, yeah. And a nice pass breakup on Josh Pearson. He had some, he had some really good plays um, that, that I noticed in the back end. The, one thing, and, and going back to Antonio Hamilton, and, you know, we've talked about, you know, this is a guy who's played five years in the league. Last year he started every single or played in every single game with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, he's looked pretty good other than getting burnt once or twice in camp. Um, but he's being pushed by these younger guys and not to get into everyone's business. And, you know, because I don't want to make this show anything about the vaccine and like that. But it's interesting to note that Antonio Hamilton was outspoken against the vaccine. And it's going to be interesting to see how this team, as we're seeing other teams around the league, you know, and not only just the players with coaches and with free agents that they're trying to bring in, are very cautious about that. And if, Hamilton's resistance to get vaccinated might make them sway to a Brooks or a Kinley or if Wilcox comes back, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to monitor that situation with the team and how they're going to handle that. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me, but, you know, just talking to Coach Aarons over the past couple of days and other players have spoke about it too, such as Leonard Fournette and, and Mike Edwards spoke about it today. I mean, they all understand the rules. They understand the protocols. 
Coach Aarons was speaking specifically about, okay, if you're vaccinated, you go this, or, you know, your rules go this way. If you're not vaccinated, you go that way. And um, it seems like they're very respectful about uh, everyone's personal choice, because at the end of the day, it is a personal choice. Um, on the topic of corners, though, I wanted to bring this up because I found it very fascinating. We spoke with Sean Murphy Bunting, a.k.a. SMB, after practice today, and he went into great detail about um, I, I think it's I think it's safe to say that his season last year, uh, it had it had its peaks and valleys. You know, there there was a, a time during the regular season where he struggled a little bit. But he came out through the other side. Obviously, he had a tremendous postseason with all the interceptions and to season on a on a you know the highest of highs with winning a Super Bowl. But we spoke to Sean today, and he was telling us that he played through a number of injuries. Now, granted, he didn't miss one game, so he was able to persevere and toughen out. But the extent of all the injuries he was telling us about started in week two with the pulled groin and escalated from there. I'm gonna play the video. And uh, we could discuss that after. Second game of the season. So uh, when I pulled that, I was battling through that. So my groin went, I started having ankle problems on my left ankle, strained my left ankle, and then I ended up dislocating both my thumbs again. So I ended up what taking. What game was that? Um, I, honestly, I wouldn't get it. It might have been in practice. So I ended up dislocating. I have real bad thumbs. I've been working on them all season. So it should be back. They're good. But um, yeah, I ended up dislocating both my thumbs and then. Um, going to playoffs, I kind of started feeling a little healthy, and then I ended up rolling my ankle, my right ankle, in practice. So I was fighting through that. But like I said, it's all adversity. You know, it's all things that the training staff did a really good job of maintaining the controller. Um, coaching staff did a really good job of making sure that I was preventive throughout the week um, so that I can go in the game. And when I got to the game, you know, it, it's all focus, all mental toughness. And after that, that's when we deal with it. And I got to deal with all my injuries in offseason. So got them taken care of, and, and now I'm back for 100%. So for those that couldn't hear that with the volume, and we apologize, we have to be you know a distance away with the COVID rule, so it's tough to get all the volume on on a stream like this. But pretty much what SMB said was that he pulled his groin in week two, and because of that groin injury, it affected the rest of his leg, where he ended up having a sprained ankle that lingered on for a portion of the season. Then he dislocated both of his thumbs, not one, but both of his thumbs, which which is just unbelievable to think that he played through that considering one you have to tackle and two uh, the big mo of a cornerback is trying to intercept the ball and that's pretty tough to do if you have two dislocated thumbs and then finally you, he goes on this great run the postseason as we just talked about and then he rolls his ankle then too so he played hurt throughout the whole year but was still able to play the whole season all 20 games win that super bowl championship JC, I know you're a big SMB guy. I mean, that's crazy what he went through, right? Yeah, and he was uh, kind of having a conversation about this at his recent uh, charity event. You know, he was holding up his thumbs, and and he was talking to Antoine Winfield. Antoine's finger was, like, twisted sideways and stuff like that. He, he actually had to get surgery on it as well. Uh, Antoine Winfield did. <laughs> made the joke. I'm like, hey, at least he didn't Ronnie Lott it, but, you know, yeah, I mean, you talk about your, the use of your thumbs, you know, as a cornerback, trying to catch the ball, trying to tackle, trying to grab. And not only did he, you know, perform well, he caught three interceptions in a row. I yeah. know. 
bad. I mean, it's not like it's not like even if you dislocate your thumbs, sure you put them back into place, whatever. You know, the pain is still there. All off, it's uh, you know, it doesn't just go away because you jammed them back into place. So that and playing with a sprained ankle, I mean, it just shows you not just the physical toughness of this team but also the mental toughness. And that's something that Bruce has talked about uh, over and over. And Brady's talked about mentally tough, being a mentally tough team. And now we're starting to get some of these stories about how banged up these players really were. And, you know, keep leave it to a Brady-led squad to be really humble about injuries and what they went through. But now we're, it's starting to come out a little bit here. And uh, it just really puts in perspective, you know, what this team was dealing with and how good they actually were especially dealing with everything that they had going on. Yeah, it would make for some good talking points. I know they don't want to talk about it, but if you want to talk about more Tampa Bay Buccaneers, anything, thoughts, news, any information, the best place to do that is Green Room. JC, you want to tell us a little bit more about Green Room? Yeah, Spotify Green Room. It's a great app where you can go in, download it now. You can go in there and talk sports, talk music, talk culture. Uh, we do a, a Spotify Green Room every week here on Peter Report. We'll have ours tomorrow night at around 8.30, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll get in there. We had a great conversation last week about some of the, the obviously some of the Brady news, what we're looking forward to training camp. Well, hey, training camp's here. So we'll be talking about that. But, yeah, Spotify Green Room, definitely go to your, your Google or Apple uh, App Store. Download it now. You can start watch parties with friends. You can talk about the latest sporting events. The Olympics are going on. You can talk about the latest culture. It's a lot of fun, great connections, uh, and great conversations. So definitely download Spotify Green Room and join our room tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time as we'll be on there live talking about um, this, this so far what we've seen from training camp. So definitely get on there. Yeah, please do. It's, it's an awesome platform. It's been so much fun getting to interact with all the different Bucks fans, everyone bringing their inside and just how they feel. Bucks fans are very passionate as they should be. And we love talking everything Bucks with you guys. So make sure to around check. the world. Yeah. Around the world too. Yeah. Uh, England, uh, anywhere all over the place. Canada, England, they're all over the place. So it's, yeah. It's and that's the best part. You're bringing all Bucks fans together. You don't, obviously we love all the fans of Tampa Bay, but you don't have to be in Tampa Bay to be a Bucks fan. So we love all our Bucks fans all over the place. You mentioned green room. One guy that likes the color green is definitely Jalen Darden because he went to North Texas, the mean green. I think it's time to get into the Jalen Darden discussion oh, yeah. outside of the punt return, which we brought up before Jalen Darden had another up and down day. Yep. I think over the last two days, it's important to reiterate that the positives I think without question outweigh the negatives with Jalen Darden today specifically, you always ask someone, do you want the good news first or the bad news? I think most of the people say the bad news. So I guess I'm going to start with the bad news. Darden got in trouble twice today. The first time was because he jumped off sides, which is something that he did the day before as well on Monday. I just forget like what day it is because Training camp started on a Sunday, but that made it feel like Monday. Anyway, so he went off sides the last two days. Tristan Wirfs actually went off sides as well, too, not long after that, or it might have been right before that, which caused Brady to get pretty angry. And, you know, he started yelling, stop effing jumping off sides. So 
you know, Darden, you could see it. Tristan Wirfs, that was very surprising. That's something Bruce Arians spoke about at the practice, being like, if it's a young guy, I understand. Tristan Wirfs, I got to chew. He said, I got to chew his ass out if, if that's the situation. Meanwhile, he's only a, uh, a second-year player. Anyway, I'm rambling on here. To go back to Darden, so he got in trouble for going off sides. And then the Bucs are doing a drill later on in practice where uh, everyone was running essentially in slow motion because the whole part of the practice was to like get down the field, stop the clock so you can kick a field goal. And Darden either didn't run the route the right way or didn't finish the route. And Bruce Arians was out of his golf cart being like, what are you doing? Everything oh, like that. That. that wasn't all, but yeah, you're right. I, I was because I was at the other end of the field of view, so I got a perfect view of it. it yeah. was, they were doing situational work where they was pretty much walk through speed, and they would, you know, either they would make the reception, and then they'd either clock get to the line and clock yeah. real quick, or they'd work on their timeouts, catch, receive, drop, timeout. And on this particular play, it was a catch, drop, timeout, and Darden ran an out route. When he was supposed to run like a 15 and in, or it was like a 10, 10 or 15 and in, uh, in route, and he ran the op, he walked, ran the yeah. opposite route. <laughs> and not only did BA get upset, you could hear Blaine Gabbert yelling at him too. He's like, that, Is that what I told you to do? You know, so then they ran the same route. Obviously, you know, I'm sure Darden was a little whatever, but he corrected himself. He came in, ran the in, caught the ball, kneeled down, timeout. And uh, they moved on, but I mean that wasn't that wasn't the only thing though. Too there were a couple there were a couple drops um, that he had too. One in particular was a play where the other rookie Joe Tryon, who looked really he looked really. We'll we'll, we'll get into Tryon in a second after this. Well, well, the play kind of has. I won't spoil it. We'll get into Tryon with it, but it was a drop on that play, which would have really you know kind of bailed the offense out. And it yeah. if he would have made the catch. It would have been something that we'd be talking about right now. Like Darden made a catch, you know, and it was, it was, you know, perfect timing, perfect, you know, situation that could happen in a game situation, but I'll pass it back to you. Right. Darden. I think we've seen so far. I'm getting a little worried that the hands are going to become an issue as we go further. I don't think it's going to be like a surreal Grayson jr. Type of situation. Um, because he still does make these highlight real catches, man, whether he's leaping in the end zone to make a catch or being over by the sideline and staying in bounds. He's shown that ability to make the highlight real play where he can get it done. I think where Darden really looked great today is he's in a category right now where, you know, he's still a rookie, but when he goes up against the third and fourth string guys, whether it's Hamilton, whether it's Brooks, I mean, Bruce Aaron said it the other day, like he's getting wide ass open. He do- he dominates these third and fourth string guys like every single time. He gets so open, it's like not even funny at this point. And but at the same notion, when he's going up against Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean and guys like that, he might he might not be winning every single rep, but he's still giving them everything that they can handle. I mean the. The ability to come in three days into training camp and you're giving all the starters a run for their money, you can't not be happy about seeing that. No, I mean, he's he's doing, like you said, you know, he's ahead of where the third and the fourth stringers are. Yeah. But as far as moving, you know, up to the, to the, the starters, he's doing a pretty good job 
at competing with them. I still don't know if he's at that level um, with the starters yet. I think that he's kind of in this weird in-between phase, right? So the starters are kind of showing up the best of them. Um, they're still, they're still, you know, battling be- with him just because of his get off is just so yeah. uniquely insane. But when it comes into, into strictly coverage, you know, if he's not beating him at the line, they're, they're doing a good job covering him. You know, it's not like they're blowing by him. Um, but when he's with the younger guys, it's just, it's the other guys, the third stringers, it's just, it's too easy for him. But he had a, um, he had a nice, nice catch. We talked about this, a deep ball uh, with uh, Ross Cockrell trailing, you know, just kind of took off. And there was a large separation between him and Cockrell, who Cockrell is getting a lot of work with the safeties. Uh, and I know it's because, you know, they're running really thin right now. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, that's that could be a huge advantage for the roster as well. Yeah, I mean, versatility is key. And Todd Bowles obviously loves that. That's like one of the first things people talk about with Bowles is he loves versatility. He's especially loves versatility at the safety position. I think that's why everyone fell in love with Antoine Winfield Jr., who we should point out uh, was back at practice today. He had a, uh, a false positive with his COVID test, which forced him to miss yesterday. He was back out there today. So the safeties did get a little more, a uh, little more depth out there. Before I want to get into two more topics. One was the adjustment that they made to uh, the end of practice because Coach Aarons was not happy with how the team was playing in the second half of practice over the first two days because, I mean, the heat has been dreadful. As you saw today, we've been dealing with the last two days. It's been tough. And then I also want to talk about Joe Tryon on Vita Vea, who got the Peter Report bump from having Jimmy Lake on yesterday. If you guys haven't seen that episode, we had Washington head coach Jimmy Lake who has coached a lot of these Bucks players, Benning, Vita Vea, and Joe Tryon. We'll get all into that in one second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Underdog Fantasy. We're really happy to be partnering up with Underdog Fantasy. I'll tell you all about it. This website, Underdog Fantasy, is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. On Underdog Fantasy, you just draft. You don't need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog handles all of that for you. As the saying goes, you set it and forget it. You don't got to worry about a thing. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft the season-long best ball team, and that's it. You set up the lineup, you pick the guys that you think are going to do best, and you put them in there. It doesn't matter who the starter is. Whoever has the best day, the most points, that goes to your starting lineup. It doesn't matter where you have them in. So make sure you go and do that. Uh, they're going to give you a $25 bonus when you sign up. So you could take a free shot at a $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's $25 to win a million dollars. That sounds like a pretty good deal right there. And also, they have different standings as well, where if you don't come in first place, you can still make money if you get into the top 10. So, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and, and it looks amazing, too. If you... It- they they have a, a thing too where you can do some like you can utilize the site for mock drafts, right? Because Oh, absolutely. I was mentioning that to Scott the other day. 
Yeah. You know, and you're going to be more invested if you have your own money in it. Exactly. And everyone has those times where they go to ESPN or they go to Yahoo or NFL, whatever site they use. And you go to do a mock draft and some, you know, some jerk drafts the kicker in the first round and just completely. Yeah. <laughs> If you would, if you were to, if you go go to put fifteen dollars in, right, to, to underdog fantasy, that will allow you to do three twelve-team mock drafts, and at three dollars a draft for potential winnings of thirty-six dollars. So to spend fifteen dollars, you can do five mock drafts that you'll actually be able to potentially win money. And remember, it's not like regular fantasy football. This is best ball. So you set it and forget it. They'll do all the work. All you're doing is utilizing it as a mock draft and potentially winning money. And then you use a $25 credit to enter the million dollar raffle. And I mean, you're already, that's, that's a no brainer. If, if you ask me, Matt. Oh, it's music to my ear. So make sure when you sign up, you use the promo code pewter. And that way you get the free $25 that if you want, you can put it towards the million dollar grand prize. Again, that's promo code pewter. I love underdog fancy because it's so easy to use. The mobile app is slick. The website is super user friendly. So do what I've been doing. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. You're good for the season. Again, underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code pewter P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a free $25 bonus in cash. All right, JC, there was a little wrinkle to practice today. About halfway through, even a little bit more than halfway through, we got to the field goal kicking portion of the practice. But as the kickers were doing their thing, the rest of the team went inside to the Advent Health Training Center, the indoor facility. They hung out there for about 10 minutes or so, And then they came back out, and Bruce Arian said after practice that they did that to simulate halftime of what would be going on in a regular season game at this time of year where you're playing in this crazy hot heat, as we just talked about. Then you go inside to the AC, and then you go back out again. Coach Aarons was more pleased with the second half of practice today, and he thinks a big help of that was going inside. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was definitely interesting. I wasn't sure if there was lightning in the area at first. I just started seeing yeah. <laughs> all the guys run in. I'm like, are they going in? I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, then it came out obviously after practice that they're using the simulated halftime. You had the field goal unit still out there with the rest of uh, with some of the starters out there still in the field goal unit uh, first team, and then they came back out with the second team. Ryan Suckup not out there. Uh, it was it was um, rookie Jose. Borregales, uh, the Luke Rossman winner from, I believe Miami, right? Um, yeah. So, and, and he he looked pretty good. He went seven for eight on field goals. But what caught my eye is, you know, the players were kind of bouncing in and out, right? I mean, um, you had them come back in and then go back out, and uh, definitely use utilize it to cool down. But there was one player specifically that was like, man, I don't need it, and uh, it was Levante David. Levante David remained outside. The entire time, didn't run over to the to the outside. He was actually uh, standing by the middle of the field the entire time. So that was interesting to see. But definitely, you saw a pickup afterwards. Uh, I mean, I don't know if cooling down the guys a little bit. I know they all had you know quick little water break and everything like that. The AC. I know how much it can do for us once we're out there because being out there, you've been out there the last couple of days, but just being out there today. As soon as I hit the AC, man, I was like, whew, okay, I can go back out there now. But man. Um, definitely saw an improved practice. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him do something like that going forward, especially because of the humidity, how hum- uh, humid it was and the humidity out today. 
Yeah, I think it was a great move. And as I totally agree with you 100% that it could be something that we see them do again. Arian spoke about that after practice a little bit. He, First of all, he was very complimentary of all the guys on field, too. He said, you know, there's a lot of guys on defense that stood up. And he, he said he was very pleased, too, with the second half of practice. Guys were executing much better. And he had an interesting statement as well where he was saying, we know how Coach Arians and, and his coaching staff, they love to utilize all three fields so guys can get as many reps as they possibly can. But he pretty much said today that this is going to be the last time that they use both fields and they're going to have most of the team just congregate congregate onto one field now. I thought that was a bit of an interesting take. Uh, we got the video here. We'll see uh, see what Bruce Arians had to say about that. Uh, it's more like who has them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, everybody in the starting group looks more than ready to play. Uh, uh, that second field has been executing better than the first field, so it should be building depth, getting all those reps. This would be the last day. We'll do two fields, so they got a ton, a ton of reps and got some exposure. And uh, I was really pleased with where they were. Yeah, so again, all the competition, everything we've been talking about, Bruce Arians was a big fan of that. And speaking of guys that really stood up or executed today, again, it was the Washington bump from having Jimmy Lake on the show. It was a big day for first-round pick Joe Tryon, along with fellow Washington alumni Vita Vea. They were both in the mix pretty much the whole day. They combined for... You could say it was a sack for Tryon. I think you could also make the argument that it was a half sack for Vita and Tryon. They both got into the middle at the same time, got after Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, Tryon got him from the side. Vea was like right up the middle. It was, you know, a tag team combination right there from the Washington guys. Tryon had another great pass rush as well later on where he lined up on the right side and then moved into the middle and got right in Tom Brady's face where um, it, it wouldn't have been a sack because Brady definitely got the pass in time, but yeah. it definitely forced him to make an errant throw. I thought that was really promising to see. We know Tryon was great yesterday as well. So he's building every single day, getting better and better. And I think honestly, one of the best plays that we saw on the day came from Vita Vea in a situation where, Vea was pass rushing, and it wasn't a screen, but the quarterback dumped the the pass off to Ronald Jones. He was about, I would say, at the line of scrimmage, maybe a little, maybe a yard up. But you know, Rojo had free space. He started booking it upfield, and I'd say about four or five yards into it, Vita Vea. That's right, Vita Vea, the nose tackle ran and tracked him out, tracked him down, was able to get his, get his hands on him. It was such an incredible play that the the coaches were going insane. The, the players on the sidelines were going insane too. So um, I I thought that was incredible. I mean, we know Vita used to be a running back back in high school, but to see a guy of his size, just be able to move that fast. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's insane. That the only way to say it is that it's insane. Yeah, it was, it was, it was extremely impressive. I mean, Rojo got up the field like 15, you know, 15, 17 yards on that play. And I think it was technically the first tackle of training camp because. <laughs> well, you have the Tyler Johnson play that you mentioned before. 
you know, took him down to the ground. And uh, yeah, they, it, yeah, it definitely got everyone going. You could hear you could hear Devin White getting live out there too. <laughs> it, it was a great play, but Tryon, man, you're right. I mean, I don't know if it was if it if it was the podcast, which I'm sure it was, but <laughs> or if it was the hoodie. Because, you know, after yesterday, you saw a couple of these pass rushers start wearing hoodies. Tryon and Quentin Bell were both two of them that, that was wearing the hoodies out today. And, man, it, it, it made an impact. You mentioned the, the sack or half sack that would have been. But that, that pressure pass is what I was talking about uh, to Jalen Darden, where if Darden would have caught that, we would have been like, wow, he bailed out Brady. It was a you know, great catch by him. But instead, it was it turned out to be a better play for the for the number one overall pick for the for the Buccaneers, uh, the first round pick for the Buccaneers and Joe Tryon, where he made a, a really nice move to apply heavy pressure and and force that errant throw. Um, I've I've really liked what I've seen, and as you noticed, and as Scott has noticed, you know he was on the left side, one side is on the right side, the other side a little bit of both today, even swinging in the middle on that play, so. Uh, I think Vita Vea said it afterwards, you know, Todd Bowles already has, I'm sure already has plans for him because of how versatile this guy's going to be. And I, I, I'm definitely excited to see his progression. You know, one of the things that me and John were talking about um, coming into this year as, as a, as a pick was wasted movement. You saw a lot of the times where he, he'd have a lot of wasted movement and it slowed down his pass rush. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen much of that. I mean, I, he had the full year off. It looks like he took that to advantage to study that and work on that because I've seen a lot of fluid movement from him, decisive, quick decisions, and not not second second guessing himself. And it's been paying off in practice. Oh, I mean, it's been so promising what we've seen from him so far. And Scott's brought up a great point too. I think he mentioned on the podcast yesterday that. It'll start with this heat, but even later in the season, when you have Shaq and JPP just beating down on these tackles for the whole game, and then you bring in a guy that's fresh as a daisy coming into the game, and he's just going to be a pass rush specialist, and (laughs) it's scary to think what he can do going against a very tired offensive tackle. You know what? I'm excited to see him on special teams, too, because I think, and again, not to keep going back to yesterday's podcast, but... Jimmy Lake essentially said that all of these Washington players, they just love to play football. It doesn't matter at what position or how they get onto the field. They just love to play. So when you have a guy with that attitude and then his freakish skill and his size and all the talent that comes with it, can you imagine that guy running full speed at the punt returner? And let's just say, you know, those like bang, bang plays where the punt returner catches it and then gets lit up by the guy running downfield. I think Joe Tryon is very high on the list as like the last guy that you want to see running at you on uh, on punt coverage or punt return. He looks like an action figure. The guy's just the way he's built is just. I mean, I would. That's the last guy I would want to see coming at me. You know, running down the field. And it goes back to draft day. And it goes back to what we heard from the draft meetings. This is a guy who just wants to play football. He said, you know, Bruce mentioned, you know, when when they talked to him, you know, I'll play anywhere, coach. I'll play anywhere, you know, I'll play special teams. And, and, you know, when Tryon, we first got to talk to him, echoed those those sentiments. I'll play special teams. I'll do whatever I can to help this team win and to help this team and get on the field and, and be a contributor. And I think that's going to go a, lot, a long way, you know, for his development. Um, even special teams, just getting the snaps, getting the reps, getting out there, getting used to NFL speed, the size of other players, because he's a big boy and he's got good speed. But, you know, 
going in the Pac-12, you're not necessarily going against some of the biggest. There's some great competition. I'm not taking anything away from that. Yeah. It's not you're not going up against NFL players every year. So and he only started one one year and I think it was only five games or something like that. So, um, you know, you know, I think it's I, I think it's going to be tremendous for his development uh, for sure. And, you know, that's part of the reason, too, is his passion and love for football. You know, there's some guys that that were, were taken off their board because they weren't really you know interested in special teams or contributing however they could and that's why i think Tryon, you know was the pick and i think that's why he's going to flourish here in tampa bay is because of his eagerness to not only help contribute in any way but also to learn which he was doing a lot from jpp and Shaq today yeah it's a very fair statement that you said and it's only going to help try on learning from guys of that caliber and that attitude and that mentality and Shaq has already talked about helping the young the younger guys when they get into more pass rushing specific drills uh jc before we wrap up is there any other uh thoughts or comments or observations that you had from training camp today uh no i mean i think we got a couple more practices before they get the spiders on and then we're going full pads and and what next starting next week maybe yeah they have to go through a couple more practices and I'm excited to see when they finally get the full pads on because I think especially for a guy like Tryon or or most of the guys on the offensive line, I think that's when we can really start to see what offensive linemen specifically start separating themselves from the pack because it's tough when you're not in pads to see guys like go really hard, especially like in in run drills and things like that. It's tough to really understand who's winning, who's not because you you don't have all the ingredients there. As some would say. Yeah. And I mean, the offensive line is a great, great spot, uh, place to start, too, because same thing with the defensive line, because I think we're looking at this, you know, the offensive line. One thing that jumped out to me, obviously, Robert Haynes, he's been running with the second group at center. And yeah, it's looked really good. Uh, he spoke with the media. We'll have some comments about that coming out uh, here very shortly after the podcast. Make sure you go to PeterReport.com to look for those. But also Nick Lavrette has consistently for the second day in a row been the second uh, been running with the second team at right guard. So that's something that that's intrigued me as well. Um, you've got guys like Sedarius Hutchinson, John Moulton, all vying for those spots as well. So to see who's going to grab that spot, because we pretty much know who the eight offensive linemen yeah. are, right? So it's really coming down to that ninth spot. And do they keep a 10th spot? And if they don't keep a 10th spot, that ninth offensive lineman, the versatility is going to come into effect. And it's, it's really going to be interesting to see once they get the pads on. And also... With a guy who's in, who you know, I think he played tremendous, uh, especially as a run blocker, uh, run. I mean, a run defender on the defensive side, and you got some pretty good pass rushes in the Super Bowl. But Steve McClendon, he's still 35 years old. He was the oldest NFL player to take a snap in the league last year. Can one of these young guys push him? A Khalil Davis, a Pat O'Connor, Jeremiah Ledbetter, who's looked great, and Scott talked about him yesterday. Yeah, uh, he's looked great in camp so far. Benning Potuae, who's a big body run stuffer in the mold of a, of a uh, Steve McClendon. Once we get the pads on, we'll be able to see, you know, who's, who's pushing who. And, and I'm excited for that as well, Matt. Yeah. Ledbetter is a guy that I thought has had some really good training camps with the bucks, but he tends to get hurt at, and you know, there's only so much you could do with injury. He tends to get hurt at the end of the year. And obviously that's cost him a spot on the roster. Davis, I think is a guy as well too. In the limited amount of time that he played last year, I thought he did a, a, a very nice job of stopping the run. So I think he's got to build on top of that and then try to develop 
listen, you're not going to rely on your interior defensive lineman to get to the passer, but I, I do think it's important, and you see it with Vita Vea, just the ability to push back the pocket so much to get the quarterback to go to the outsides, and then you let the outside linebackers clean up from there. So I'd like to see Davis try to develop a little bit more of a pass rush, at least get the pressure on the quarterback a little bit more. But I think there's a lot of great competition there, uh, along with the offensive line. I think Brad Seaton's in the mix as well, too. And you could see a couple other guys. I like Mulchen. Um, I like Hutcherson, too. I think there's a it, it's a great competition all for one spot, which I think is is really, really interesting in that sense. One last thing I forgot to mention it before, and I think the fans should know because it's important to keep up to date with all these things. When I was talking earlier about Carlton and Mike Evans, they were pretty much on each other a lot uh, in coverage, fa- uh, battling in training camp. There was one play towards the end of training camp where Mike caught a ball right by the sideline and Carlton had good coverage on him. He dove to try to make the stop. He didn't. And he kind of landed on the back of Mike's ankle a little bit. And then Mike, you could tell he was in some pain. And then he, he went to the back, like back of the field, not like back into the locker room. Uh, He got stretched out by the, the trainer and everything like that. Then he was off to the sideline. He was talking with Brady. He was smiling stuff. So he looks to be okay, but that'll be something we'll monitor tomorrow. Maybe he'll get one of those veteran days off like we were talking about before. But that's something just to keep in mind. You never want to see any of your top players hurt. And thankfully, I think that won't be the case with Mike Evans. And obviously, we know how valuable he is to this team. Yeah, uh, just on that same note, Sil Grayson, um, he caught up. He caught on the last play of the game. Uh, he went for a deep ball from Blaine Gabbert. He stayed down a little bit longer, too. Um, we'll monitor that as well. He got up and walked off on his own power, but he stayed down for about a minute, minute and a half. Um, he grabbed his back uh, hamstring, grabbed his, his left hamstring at first. I'm not sure if it's something, but it's something to monitor, as well as KJ Britt limped off the field. He was he looked up, appeared to be fine. Didn't notice any limp when he was walking out. Noticeable limp when he was off the field, but Along with those slight, could they, could they not be injuries? It's just, you know, nice to keep you guys updated on that. Yeah. And make sure to go on PeterReport.com. We will keep you guys filled in with all that information. But I think that'll do it for today's show. For JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera. Thank you guys so much for watching another episode of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. <laughs>